This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark, and for this episode of Paranormal Pets, we are celebrating number 101 for our podcasts. So yes, uh, I didn't realize how close we were getting until a few months ago when I submitted uh, three new episodes and realized that we were at episode number uh, 97. And that three more would make it to 100. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't mark the 100th episode. So we are noting episode 101. And we are going to celebrate with a potpourri episode. Since it is September, I am starting to kind of go through all of the little bits of paranormal pet stories that I've gotten. And we will compile them into an episode today. This will include a little bit of personal updates. A, uh, a story that I found in a book a recent New York Post article, and uh, we actually do have a couple who recounted a ghost cat. So I recorded that at a talk that I did in Clearwater, Florida in August. So uh, with no further ado, we will be back right after these messages. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to episode 101. Yes. So, here are some of the updates. Um, While I have been off the air, I've been rather busy. Uh, One thing that did happen is I actually resigned my full-time faculty status. My friends went, you did what now? But it's been a month, and wow, it's so different. I actually taught in higher education for 20 years. I actually planned everything out fairly well. Um, I am continuing a little bit of adjunct work for some colleges uh, online, but I really felt it was time for a mid-career change, a mid-life career change. There we go. And um, education has not gotten any easier. And I just, I just felt it was time. And it was a very difficult decision. I actually had a rather unusual paranormal experience myself. And you're not allowed to laugh at this. But before I made the decision, I, I consulted friends and family, uh, financial advisors. I, I checked on my retirement status. I mean, I did all that. And I'm not young enough to retire or not old enough to retire. I've got another 20 some odd years to work. So, you know, I was getting all my ducks in a row. And, you know, I talked to a, a career counselor, a job coach, a 
counselor counselor to make sure that my thinking was clear. I had the maternal Starks approval and uh, my my mother is a a church going woman and she said, well, you need to go to church with me. And so I did. And as a religious studies professor at that time, it's, you know, it's always kind of interesting to do. And while I was sitting in the church with her, I actually had this experience in which I was kind of closing my eyes and just kind of settling myself down because this decision was, was really very taxing. And I just remember thinking, oh, I really, I pray that I'm doing the right thing. And I swear to you, I heard this little voice in the back of my head say, you wanted a way out. I've given it to you. Stop worrying. And part of that way out was that I actually found a part-time job with full benefits with a hospital. And uh, I have really enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying it. And it's a, a great relief to have benefit coverage, health, dental, vision, PTO, and retirement for part-time. It's not easy to find. And it's a, it's a job that I can endorse because I agree with the vision and the community-centered leadership. So it's huge, but uh, here we are. And uh, in addition to that, I have been able to spend more time with my art studio. I actually won a grant and curated a, an art show called All Things Augustus in August. And I won a scholarship and took an arts and business course. I told you I did not go into this lightly. And there is actually a pretty strong chance, possibility, like 90%, and we're going forward, of creating a new ghost tour featuring art and the paranormal in uh, in my hometown of St. Peter. Petersburg. Uh, it'll be a bus-based tour. So I'm keeping my art studio at Art Lofts, which of course I'm always thrilled to do because it's haunted. And um, we're just, uh, we're going to take a year and see where it goes. And then of course, I, I now have events coming up, including a ghost-themed art show and a talk on Paranormal Pinellas Park, September 27th. I've also been asked to speak at Safety Harbor Library on October 30th about Haunted Safety Harbor. And I will also be speaking about uh, Haunted Tarpon Springs, October 31st at the Lipa Ratner Museum. We've also updated and put out a new edition of the Supernatural St. Petersburg and Paranormal Pinellas book. I added in five new sections under Native American middens, some of the lore, and we started doing investigations. Uh, I do plan to go back to Pinellas Point Mound with the Paranormal Pug Patroclus when it gets a little bit cooler to walk him through and see what kind of response he gets. And I've started hosting open Spirits of St. Petersburg meetings uh, in my art studio. And it's just been, it's been a lot. And in fact, at the end of this month as well, we're doing the world's largest ghost hunt uh, 2019. And the event has already sold out for 20 people. The money goes to uh, building preservation for the Art Lofts Florida Craft Art Building. So, wow. (laughs) That's why I've been a little bit quiet and why I needed to kind of collect some things and then uh, hopefully we can move forward from this point on. I am looking forward to all of these engagements because this is where people tell me their stories and this is what I just absolutely uh, and really and truly love. I love getting the paranormal pet stories and I love getting the real life ghost stories. So please uh, keep me in your thoughts. I, uh, I am an adjunct professor again, artist, part-time employee of a hospital, and a more professional ghost hunter, I guess. So, But, you know, we're just going to do it. Life is too short. That's the good thing about studying death is that you're like, whoa, life is super precious. So here we are. So now that I've caught you up on that, 
let us uh, take a look at a couple of other things here. So I guess the uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is something that came out August 26th of 2019, and I was quite excited about this. This came out from the New York Post, and you can find this video on YouTube. I've tried to take a look at it. It's basically nypost.com video ghost and its pet cost on camera in shocking footage. And so the story is, again, August 26th, uh, Joey Nolan and his wife were shocked to find what appeared to be a human-like spirit walking around their Long Island, New York home, along with a smaller animal-like pet of some sort. The pair who checked their home security footage after learning their cat was sick immediately shared the strange clip with friends and family, which went viral after posting it on YouTube. To make things even more eerie, just weeks earlier, both Nolan and his wife had the exact same dream about a dog only to have the apparition show up on camera shortly thereafter. I said to her that maybe the spirit of a dog hopped into bed with us the night we had the dreams, Nolan shared. Initially, I tried to play it off as a cobweb, flies, dust, but the actual steps the figure takes in the kitchen is very strange. And if you've not seen this video, I've watched it several times, and what you actually see is a a home security camera system. And in this camera system, uh, you actually see a human-sized white mist moving into one of the rooms. And then a short time later, you see uh, a small mist on the ground moving forward, and then it turns around and it looks back into the room. And for just an instant, you really kind of see a dog snap. Out. It does look like the head and the, the front arms or the front shoulders of a dog, which is really wild. I don't have any more video to compare it to, but I thought it was actually a fairly convincing capture for video, particularly because of the movement of the mist. So if you do get the opportunity, I do hope you go online and check it out. I think you can just put in newyorkpost.com plus ghost dog video or ghost and its pet caught on video and see what comes up, but it is definitely well worth uh, a look. I did also find it fairly interesting because paranormal pet speaking, at least with the pugs, I did take Achilles to Art Lofts for our Spirits of St. Petersburg meeting. Last month was our first one, and it was actually, it was a lovely group of people who came. We do plan to live stream these, and since Achilles is kind of in a retirement status as a paranormal pug, uh, he will be 14 in November, so he's actually looking very much like an old man, although he's still like likes to pose and play, but uh, his legs aren't quite what they used to be. Guys, really. And and as you can hear, the paranormal pets are behind me. But we were walking through Art Lofts, and he had no trouble. I mean, he was really enjoying himself. Pugs are very, very social creatures. And ultimately, what I thought was really interesting is uh, we got to the haunted stairwell. And in front of this entire group, you know, I, I started kind of coaxing him towards the stairwell, and he actually would not cross the threshold. He absolutely stopped and he made a U-turn and walked back, back into the the gallery and away from the stairwell. And he did it in front of witnesses. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, again, he is a pug. Uh, Pugs may not be really fond of steps. They do learn to walk them. I have taken Patroclus up and down the steps. So I thought, well, I will try my puggle, Penelope. And Penelope 
When I go in for my studio days, and I I try to set aside at least one day every week, I bring a different pug with me, and they go in a cycle. So it's usually the boys first, and then the girls. And so it's this nice little cycle, one pug at a time, every time I go. And they get some one-on-one time, they get with me, and it gets them out of the house, and it's pretty stimulating for them. The vet thought it was a great idea, so I'm thinking, okay. And it's good for me, because you know I'm not alone in my studio. And of course, they love the people contact. So it was Penelope's turn and I took her up and down the stairs and the first trip on the first landing of this building of the art lofts front stairwell, Penelope actually stopped. Now you have to understand she is only three years old and as a puggle, she has so much energy. And in fact, that's her in the background whining because she knows I'm talking about her. She's very intelligent. She's a smart puggle. I mean, incredibly so. So when we were going up and down the stairs, I thought it was really odd that she ran up and down until we got to this one landing in which she actually kind of jumped back and paused. And it was maybe for a second or two. But it was certainly very different from anything that she was doing before. Now, she walked past the area and she was okay. And I did attempt to test her a second time and it didn't happen. But we may be having a little bit of phenomena at Art Lofts. I did install a security camera that I can check from my cell phone in my studio just in case. And they actually did put in security cameras into Art Lofts. And I'm kind of curious to see if we can get a hold of any of that footage. When I hosted all things... Augustus, the uh, art show that I ended up getting a grant for. I was thrilled. A friend of mine had come and, and I told her about the stairwell. It was her first time in the building and she walked down the stairwell and back up and she paused on the mezzanine level, which is for the department store. It was kind of in the middle of the store when it was a, a store up until 1990. Well, I didn't actually realize this, but the elevator stops on the mezzanine level. So she pushed the button to get into the elevator and she walked in and she was going to go up to the second floor and she said the elevator acted like it was closing and then it stopped and opened like somebody had either stepped in or stuck an arm in to open the doors and she said it didn't happen once it happened three times and she came up and she finally got up to the second floor she got me we walked down the stairs we stopped by the mezzanine we checked it out and she got in and she's like watch this and she pushed the button and the doors closed with no issue so i've been kind of trying to test that mezzanine thing just to see if there's a ghost there or not i think they like new people i must be getting to be old hat now so anyway on that note we're actually going to pause here and when we get back i'm going to read you a story from ghosts in the graveyard a texas cemetery tale by olive hallmark abbott and then we'll conclude with our real life cat encounter shall we say Uh, so we will be right back after these messages now time for something really scary A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. 
So visit MyAlphaCBD.com slash dogs now. That's MyAlphaCBD.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. As promised, I did find, like I said, it's been really busy. I ended up setting up a paranormal little library last year, and this is actually a little library. It is... Um, official. It has the plaque and it is registered. And once I I resigned my faculty status, you know, I just decided I'm just going to go for it. So this little library had been kind of hidden in the back of my art studio in my office. And I thought, nah, I'm putting it out. So it's technically now outside of my art studio. It is enclosed inside because this little studio, I actually handmade it and I don't think it would survive the Florida weather. But people have actually been coming to get books and to leave books. And one of the books that we ended up with was Ghosts in the Graveyard, a Texas uh, Cemetery Tales by Olive Hallmark Abbott. And so the good thing about having a little paranormal library is that I get to read these stories too. This book, there have been a couple of paranormal books that I'm reading and I'm like, oh, these are just, I don't know, they're just written in a fashion that I find a little disorienting. And, and unfortunately, I have to say with this book, I think it's supposed to be very, maybe colloquial, I, I don't know. It, it's supposed to be very casual, almost like Texas storytelling, but the professor in me just goes, oh my God, the grammar, the grammar. I'm having a real hard time reading this book. But but they actually did have a story called Chirac's Dogs. So I thought I would at least share it with you. I think it's a neat little story. And it is found on pages 108, 109, and it actually goes to 113. So it's it's not too long. Deep in the heart of Northeast Texas lie abandoned, lost, and haunted graveyards, and oh yes, many mysterious tales of headless horsemen, apparition, and even canines of the ghostly variety. Kaufman County has at least a few of the latter. Kaufman, the county seat, is an intersection at the State Highway 34 and 243 and U.S. Highway 175. Originally, the area was home to the Caddo, Delaware, Kickapoo, Cherokee, and Comanche Indians. Well-known historians and cemetery preservationists Kathy Kelly Hunt and the Kaufman Historical Commission have documented the first white people who came to the area as land surveyors, one being Robert Adams Terrell. Kathy reports the Republic and Sam Houston sent them to scout the land for settlement and also to prove or disprove the tales of the three forks of the Trinity. They proved two forks existed, the east and the west. The county, lying between Trinity and the Sabine Rivers, retained its antebellum rural atmosphere up to 1930 when the population tripled. Prairie grasses and mesquite, pecan, oak, and elm, all known as the Texas trees, grow along the streams of the county. But more than trees make up the mystique, Kathy has shared the spine-tingling encounter. Her particular experience took place during a recent fall visit she made to a vandalized cemetery in the eastern part of the county. Anyone who has traipsed through the graveyards on a hot day, subtropical and humid in East Texas, can find a cool drink especially tempting. Kathy stopped at the Prairieville store for something to drink on her trip home. This was one of the country stores combined with a little cafe. She found a booth that allowed her to view 
the television set, so she decided to sit a while as she anticipated watching a bit of her favorite soap opera. An elderly gentleman scooted his metal kitchen chair over to her booth. His first words were, you're that cemetery woman, ain't you? He recognized her write-off since newspapers have published her picture and written of her help in documenting old cemeteries in Kaufman County. The man pumped her hand like a water pump and offered his first name. We'll call him Earl. He continued saying that he bet he knew something that she didn't know. In her preservationist work, she has heard many stories while learning of desecrated or lost graveyards that needed cleaning up. She never turned down possible information that would allow her to protect burial sites. Earl proceeded to tell her that the unusual grave he knew about was one she probably never heard of. It was south, way over on the other side of Kaufman. He knew the man buried there, possibly in the only grave on his old home place. By this time, Kathy was intrigued, wondering what she really did not know about the grave. When Earl said that the man's name was Chirac, Kathy surprised him by saying she knew of the grave and that his given name was Barry. She had seen the grave, which was at a distance from the road and not likely to have been observed by passerby. She also mentioned the old house on the property. As Kathy described the place, Earl's eyes widened the size of the apple pie sitting on the countertop. She didn't stop there, but explained that she had seen Mr. Chirac's obituary in the paper indicating he was buried on top of a hill. Since looking for grave sites is part of Kathy's historical commission work, she didn't find this one too difficult to locate. Earl apparently figured she would know about the hunting dogs, but he inquired to find out. She knew about them. Mr. Chirac was known all over the country for raising hunting dogs. A dog was also engraved on the man's headstone. Earl could have been disappointed since he had been eager to tell her at first, but he had not finished his tale. Leaning closer over the counter of the boost table, he turned his head to one side than the other. He said in a hoarse whisper, so you heard him when you were there. I mean, you heard him. And now Earl had Kathy's attention. Heard, she asked, not wanting to appear too interested. She had run into many characters and were weirdos around graveyards. Still, she remained calm, even though her heart probably skipped a beat during the process. Earl was referring to the Barry Chirac's dogs. Ghost dogs bark at his graveside as if protecting him from harm. Now that's enough to get your attention. Kathy admitted her own eyes were bulging a little, but listened while Earl kept talking. She felt he sure he would. Earl continued by saying he and a close friend went out to the graveside to see for themselves that the tale about the ghost dogs was true. It turned out they heard them baying as if, as if the moon were full. The two men cut out in a flash, never to return. They don't even talk about it to one another. Before Kathy could speak, Earl had started on the second stanza, whispering this time so the woman behind the counter couldn't overhear. She probably wouldn't have. The soap opera had hit a climax of the, uh, to this week's plot, and she was obviously deeply involved. Earl was astounded to hear Kathy had been to the graveside by herself after dark by herself. He also knew the dogs barked only at night. The real truth uh, was that she might have been there just before nightfall because she hadn't heard the dogs bark. Kathy assured him she had not been spooked and that she was an ally of the dead. Somehow the admission made Earl wince as if frightened by the cemetery woman. Besides, what did she mean, ally of the dead? The cemetery woman retrieved her keys and got a refill of iced tea to take with her. Then she reached to shake his hand. He did not return the handshake, but said he had to leave too and guided his chair back to its original spot without ever getting up from it. It seems he may have thought there was something supernatural about this nice woman, especially if she did go spend a lot of time in old graveyards. Kathy overheard him telling the counter lady all about the woman with whom he had just been talking. That didn't matter to her, though, because she was more interested in hearing the dogs bark. She waited until evening, then drove to the Chirac place. The abandoned old house where Barry Chirac was born in 1939 somehow still stood, although a strong wind would probably take it down. 
Kathy wanted to be sure the caretaker of the old homestead knew she was there, so she parked her car where he couldn't miss it. Otherwise, caretakers had been known to bring out a shotgun to warn off trespassers. He never mentioned the barking dogs, and she wondered if, she, if he had ever heard of them. If so, he possibly would not tell anyone for fear he would be accused of fantasizing. A person would want to know the way or the grave would never be found, Kathy knew. She climbed through the fence and could see Barry's grave about 200 yards away. The moon crept up, visible from above the trees, and the crickets sang as if they anticipated the cool, clear night. Frogs splashed off in the embankment at the end of the pool. Embankments would suffice, since there were no lily pads. Kathy walked across the causeway at the north end of the pool. She knew that she had heard what she had hoped for. It was the unmistakable sound of a hunting dog when it alarms its master at the presence of an unknown, something or someone, a half-baying sound, yet somehow mournful in its warning, carried through the dense trees. The dog never showed itself, but Kathy sensed it was there. When she stopped walking, the barking also ceased. As she continued towards the gravesite, the barking began again, softer for some reason. Still a little skeptical, she wondered if the barking came from a dog chasing a night critter in the distance. But as soon as she stopped, so did the barking. The dog had to be nearby. The moon's rays angled through the treetops, leaving a shimmering glow on Barry's granite tombstone. Kathy was too close to turn back, with less than 100 yards to go. A rustling sound in the bushes told her something other than a squirrel was observing her. She cautiously walked closer to Barry's grave. She couldn't stop now. The barking began close, closer than before. The sound came from a snarled thicket about 20 feet from the grave. Where was her flashlight? Certainly not with her. The dog's incessant barking could wake the dead. Was that the intention? Kathy had thought to dismiss Earl's story, but now she was not so sure. All of the other graveyard tales... She had heard seemed to appear before her, reminding her of, a, of the doubt she once may have had. Her past efforts had been to preserve the resting place of her country's pioneers. If she ran away now, she might never accomplish her goals elsewhere. She thought for a moment, then she knew what to say. I am your ally, she said aloud to Barry Sherrick's ghost dogs. This is similar to what we have been warned to tell ghosts. We are their friends and we mean no harm. Kathy must have gotten her message across. The barking stopped. She walked back to the car knowing she had her answer, at least as it concerned Barry Chirac. She needn't worry about his grave. His ghost dogs would protect it. The moon had dimmed. Night seemed to swallow the house, the grave, and Chirac's dogs, at least for now. So, Ghosts in the Graveyard, Texas Cemetery Tales, all of Hallmark Abbott. It's uh, a fairly lengthy book, but uh, this was the one animal tale that I thought was actually kind of interesting. So, I believe that we are pretty well caught up. I am preparing to leave you with this fantastic account of a ghost cat, as promised. I am going to remind you to, once again, please be sure to support your local animal rescues, Pug Rescue of Florida, Florida Rat Rescue, any other animal rescues that are out there. Please keep animals in your thoughts and assist any that you can. We've uh, just recently had Dorian, who is a horrific hurricane that has wiped out the Bahamas. There will be a lot of animals in need of homes. So... With no further ado, happy haunting. If you'd like to check out more of what's going on, check out the Spirits of St. Petersburg site, and we will catch you with episode 102 after this. Have a good one. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. 
Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.